I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2018. Coming up, what happens when you combine science and music? You get the Starmus Festival. We talk with founder and astronomer Garrick Israelian about this mashup of science, space exploration, music, and art. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science, starting with a story by How on Earth team member Tom Yulesman. Something really weird is going down in the Arctic right now. Temperatures are soaring dozens of degrees above normal to the freezing mark and probably above. While this warming spike is happening, the lid of ice that normally spreads across Arctic waters in winter is running at record lows. In the Bering Sea off Alaska, an area of sea ice the size of Wisconsin has vanished. This has exposed coastal communities to brutal battering by waves. Meanwhile, north of Greenland, a vast expanse has cracked open, revealing dark open water. Sea ice here almost never thaws, even in summer. In a tweet yesterday, University of Colorado ice sheet specialist Mike McFerrin said, quote, this has me more worried than the warm temps in the Arctic right now. He notes that the area north of Greenland is one of the last redoubts of the Arctic's thick, old ice. Now that it's beginning to break up in winter, it could flow out into the Atlantic come summer, hastening the overall decline of Arctic sea ice. What's going on? Thanks to humankind's greenhouse gas emissions, the Arctic has been warming twice as rapidly as the Earth overall. But what about these discrete polar warming spikes in winter? Are we at all to blame? They've happened before, and natural factors certainly are playing a role. But a recent study shows they've become more frequent and more intense. Some evidence points to shrinking sea ice itself as a trigger for a complex chain of events that can lead to these spikes. But the science is still out. One thing is clear. As Columbia University geoscientist Wallace Broker once famously put it, the climate is an angry beast and we're poking it with sticks. Thanks to How on Earth contributor Tom Yulesman for that report. You can read his ongoing coverage of climate science and lots more on his Discover Magazine blog called Imagio. So go to blogs.discovermagazine.com slash Imagio. A new study from researchers in Canada shows a correlation between the age when a parent exhibited the first signs of Alzheimer's and the age that their children's brains are likely to form amyloid plaques, the cause of the cognitive decline associated with the disease. The study shows that the difference between a person's age and the age of their parent at the onset of Alzheimer's is a more important risk factor than their actual age. And the link between parental age and amyloid deposits is stronger in women than in men. In general, the scientists found that the genetic impact of Alzheimer's disease is much greater than previously thought. The study could pave the way for the development of inexpensive methods for the early identification of people at risk for Alzheimer's disease. The results appeared in a paper titled 
proximity to parental symptom onset and amyloid burden in sporadic Alzheimer's disease, published yesterday in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Neurology. On the science calendar tonight, February 27th, Denver's Café Scientifique will host a presentation. It'll be about prosthetic limbs. The speaker is Richard Weir. He's director of the VACU Biomechatronics Development Laboratory. He'll talk about the human-machine interface and issues related to dexterity and manipulation, including art of prosthetic limbs. The talk is titled, Viruses to Genetically Modify People to Facilitate Exquisite Dexterous Control of Artificial Hands. Because it's difficult to achieve the control necessary for true dexterous control, his group is exploring the use of virally transfected optogenetics in the peripheral nerve. That's a way to enable communication with the nervous system. Dr. Ware will discuss what the future of prosthetic limb systems will look like and his team's experience building advanced mechatronic arm and hand replacements. The Café side talk and discussion will take place at the Blake Street Tavern in Denver, close to Coors Field. The talk starts tonight at 6.30 and ends at around 8. Come before 6 to leave yourself time to get enough to eat. Also tonight... Astronaut Mae Jemison will speak at 7.30 at Mackey Auditorium on the University of Colorado Boulder campus. Dr. Jemison is a physician and engineer and was the first woman of color to go into space. She now leads the 100-Year Starship Project, a global initiative to ensure the capabilities for human travel to another star within the next 100 years while transforming life on Earth. As part of the Leo Hill Distinguished Leadership Series, Dr. Jemison will share her experiences and perspective on leadership and engage the audience with question and answer session. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Joel Parker. Woodstock, Lollapalooza, Lilith Fair, Coachella, Burning Man. All famous music and art festivals. But what about science festivals? Perhaps a festival with all the rock stars of science and space exploration and while you're at it, sure, throw in a few music rock stars as well. Well, that describes the Starmus Festival, which I should mention I had the honor of speaking at in the past. Starmus was the brainchild of Dr. Garrick Israelian, an astrophysicist who led the team that found the first observational evidence that supernova explosions are responsible for the formation of stellar mass black holes. I had the chance to talk with Dr. Israelian recently here at KGNU. We start with Garrick explaining what is the Starmus Festival. Well, Starmus means stars music. 
So the star muse. Star, star muse, music. exactly. Star music. It's as simple as this. Star muse is about inspiration. So this is probably the main philosophy of the festival. is about how to inspire and how to get excited about science. When creating this festival, I was thinking about what has inspired me when I was a teenager. And I, I think the fact that I'm from generation of, you know, 70s, right? <laughs> this, is, this is the generation of progressive rock music mm-hmm. and sci-fi, astronauts, space race. And this, is, this was our generation. So I remember I was very much inspired seeing cosmonauts and astronauts for a spacewalk, man on the moon, Apollo, and uh, and reading science fiction and the music that was accompanying that. And then when building the festival, I was thinking what should be the format, what we have to add and how you have to make it enjoyable so it will not look like a conference. Mm -hmm. Because something that, you know, as a scientist, I spend all my life going to conferences and then giving talks and so on. And conferences can very dry thing actually, and it's not for general public. And, it's uh, for other scientists. It's for other scientists, but then it has to be a festival because festival is much more than a conference. So in festival, you have to add many other things, mm-hmm. but you have to add them in the right proportion sure. to keep it very tasty, very live, and very attractive. You started with this idea of you wanted to have this recipe yeah. of music and stars, science, science fiction. Yeah. How did you make that happen? Well, first of all, I, I had to think of, a, of the format and what actually I want to do. Uh, I think it was, for me, it was quite important to give my TED lecture. When I went to TED, I was observing carefully what is happening there. And then I realized that you can make something better than Ted, actually. <laughs> if if you change Ted. it. Better yeah. than Ted. If you, if you change it a bit and if you put a focus on astronomy and space, because I always consider that astronomy and space is probably the most interesting science that can attract people outside of astronomy. Yeah, I've always said that astronomy has this lucky potential that everyone is interested in that science they can look up and go what's out there they can imagine what would it be like for me to walk on the moon exactly and i thought that you have to bring really the best science communicators really the best minds in astronomy to create this core so something which never happened you hardly see many nobel laureates together with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Brian Cox and Richard Dawkins and all these guys together giving lectures in five days, plus Apollo astronauts, plus (laughs) amazing musicians, then incredible concerts, amazing star party, roundtable discussions (laughs) and film screenings and astrophotography and all that stuff. If you mix everything in one single event, it's going to be absolutely unique. How did you start this? Who were you able to get to come in and see this vision with you and actually make it happen? Well, the first festival actually was the most difficult one because you are unknown and you have to approach people with your idea. 
without showing something that has been done before. So the first Starmus advisory board, which who are still with Starmus actually after seven, eight years, but Brian May, the Queen guitarist. Uh, and a doctor in astronomy. He was doctor also an Brian. astronomer. That's exactly. Right. So Brian is also an astronomer and a very old friend of mine. It was 20 years. And he was actually one of those who inspired me to create a festival because he was always considered like a bridge between astronomy and right. music. He really embodies both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And he was slowly convincing me that there is something which can be done to join music and astronomy, space and sciences in general. So who else was on that advice? Yeah, and then was Jill Tarter, a famous SETI pioneer. I approached Jill and I, and I told her my idea project. And, uh, and, and she said, that's amazing, great, I'll support and let's meet. And so she, she hosted the first presentation of Starmus at SETI Institute with with Frank Drake, with composer Graham Revell, and then Alexei Leonov, a Russian cosmonaut, a legend, the first spacewalk, commander of Soyuz Apollo, and he was one who immediately said yes. There have been how many Starmus festivals? There have been now? already four Starmus festivals. Starting in? 2011. The first one was dedicated to 50 years anniversary of Yuri Gagarin's flight. And this is where we were honored to have Neil Armstrong to inaugurate the festival. <laughs> so the, probably the most famous astronaut. Yeah. And so that was the first one. That was the first one. And that was one held where? In Tenerife, in Canary Islands, where we have famous observatories and the largest optical telescope in the world, the GTC 10.4 meter in the Palma. Actually, one of the, the things that Starmus has is a panel discussion, a roundtable discussion called 108 Minutes, <laughs> which was a duration of the first flight of Yuri Gagarin and the duration of the roundtable discussion in 108 Minutes. Oh, very good. So Neil Armstrong was the one to open this roundtable discussion in the GTC, in this telescope, with Richard Dawkins, with three Nobel laureates, <laughs> and with Brian, with Alexei Leonov. All sitting under the telescope. All sitting <laughs> under the telescope. It's, uh, yeah, very inspiring. <laughs> what other highlights yeah. have there been for you? Well, the first festival was extremely successful, but we were absolutely unknown, and there were only less than 300 people attended the festival. You can imagine a lineup like this and with only 300, 300 people. people really? Exactly. Soon after this, we were so tired and because we couldn't find sponsors for the festival. So financially, it was a disaster to organize <laughs> a festival like that because there were no people signing up for the festival, no sponsors and so on. So we decided, okay, that's it. We're not going to repeat the festival and let's keep it in a history and forget about it. <laughs> famous <laughs> last words. <laughs> famous last words. But the two years later, we had a new government in Canary Islands that so they approached me asking to repeat the festival and basically asking whether we can do something similar, big enough to attract attention and so on. And, uh, and they promised partially fund the festival, part of the funding. And then I said, okay, let's try again. Right. <laughs> so it was crazy enough to, to, to accept this invitation <laughs> and, and go for the next festival, the second one, three years after the first one. 
But then was situation was different. Because at the first festival we had Kip Thorne, the famous physicist, he was at Starmus One. Just was awarded a Nobel Prize. Exactly. And Kip was so amazed and was so impressed by the first festival that uh, a year later he told Stephen Hawking about Starmus. And when I met Kip in Caltech a year after the festival, he told me, you know, Stephen Hawking was here and I told him about your festival and he was so impressed and surprised. He said, if you do another one, he will be happy to come. Well, a few months later, Brian called me up at midnight. He called me and said, you know, I'm, I'm having a dinner with Stephen Hawking because he came to see the Queen musical in, in London. So, and I'm going to invite him to Starmus. And if you want, and if you are interesting, I said, Oh my God. I mean, talking about, of course, yes, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. You don't say no to that. Yeah, yeah. And then he invited Stephen. And uh, we agreed that I will send him a formal invitation by email and so on. So he came and he gave two lectures. And then he announced that he wants to be a part of Starmus Advisory Board. And we were really thrilled to have now Stephen Hawking in Starmer's board supporting the festival. So then we were stronger than before. Absolutely. And with, with Stephen as a keynote speaker with two amazing lecturers, it was probably the start of the new the <laughs> period, new era. new era for Starmer's, yeah. Well, if you just joined us, you are listening to How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Joel Parker. And I'm here with Garrick Israelian, who is the organizer, the origin, the spark of the Starmus Festival, a festival combining stars, science, science fiction, and mus for music. So it's a festival that has been held in the Canary Islands for the first three, and then the fourth one was held uh, in Norway. Yes, yeah. And how was that one different than the others? Yeah, that was a different one. Actually, uh, the, th the third festival was dedicated to Stephen Hawking. We paid him a tribute. Mm. And the reason, because after our meetings with Stephen, I was so inspired by his personality. Actually, I was shocked because I've never seen anyone stronger than Hawking. This festival, which was a tribute to Stephen Hawking, was mm -hmm. absolutely outstanding with eight or nine Nobel laureates, uh, with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Brian Eno as a keynote speaker, Sarah Brightman, uh, Rick Wakeman, inc incredible, Chris Hatfield, so we got everyone. <laughs> Chris Hatfield, and, uh, now there you mix the astronauts with music too. Exactly, and there was not only Chris Hatfield, we had eight astronauts. It was uh, Garrett Raisman from SpaceX, again, Alexei Leona, Rusty Schwakert. You went from a festival with 300 people to how, yeah. how many? So the third one was 1,500 Hmm. And the fourth one in Norway was then 2,400. So, so and, and the other thing, which is quite important, that is a Stephen Hawking medal. Hmm. We have created a medal for science communication, which is called Stephen Hawking Medal for Science Communication, which is based on a sketch of Hawking done by Leonov. Alexei Leonov. Alexei Leonov. He's a very good painter. He has lots wow. of paintings. He's an artist. So he made a sketch of Hawking 
amazing sketch and Stephen liked it so much that he put it in, <laughs> in his house <laughs> at the end as you see it and uh, and then we we created a medal in three categories the first is for science writing mm-hmm. the second for arts and the third for films so we give this medal to those who promote science so you can imagine a musician mm-hmm. who has done lots of projects promoting science then he will get a Stephen Hawking Medal for science communication. So who have been some past winners of the medal? Well, the, the Big Bang Theory. Ah. <laughs> In films. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they popularized science. Mm-hmm. And this has been recognized by Stephen and by Stephen's Neil deGrasse. Stephen's been on the show. Stephen has been on the show, Neil deGrasse, everyone. is all, <laughs> They're all big scientists <laughs> were on the show. Yeah, so they've got the and Jean-Michel Jarre in mm. music, father of electronic music. He's done amazing concerts for 25 years anniversary of NASA, a concert with Arthur C. Clarke, many projects for astronomy. So he got a medal for in, in music category. And Neil deGrasse has got a Stephen Hawking medal for science writing. Mm. Yeah, and the year before, we gave it to Hans Zimmer in music. Who's done film scores for almost every film I can think of in the recent years. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, the fourth one in Norway, we had a very strong presence of life sciences, ocean sciences, climate change, things where which are very, very sensitive topics in Norway. Hmm. Yeah, neurosciences, and mm-hmm. so that was a very strong presence in, in uh, the Starmus form. So that was Starmus 4, yeah. which was last year. So what's next? Well, the next is Starmus 5. It's next year, 2019, and that is going to be dedicated to 50 years anniversary of moon landing, All Apollo right. 11. It will be 50 years in yep. 2019 since yes. the moon landing. Since the moon landing. And for many, many reasons. First, because we are an astronomy space festival, so we cannot avoid this date. The second, because we had Neil Armstrong inaugurating our festival, and we started with 50 years anniversary of Yuri Gagarin. Fortunately, we did this festival dedicated to Gagarin because there was not much done internationally about 50 years anniversary mm. of Gagarin's space flight. I don't know why, but, but, but it went really in, in quite silence. Could be for political reasons. Maybe. And because Russia is not very good in, in promoting what they have, they never do a PR. Although, although there have <laughs> been the Yuri nights. Yeah, yeah, but it's not the same. It's, it's, it's an event which I would expect to rock the planet because right. it is the first time humans go to space. Was that so, first step for the, the first entire step. Exactly. human population? Exactly. So if I would expect them to do something really extraordinary for in, in, internationally, you see something big. But I think uh, we, were, we were clever enough to do a festival where scientists, Nobel laureates, and astronauts all together, they paid a tribute to, to Gagarin. And we were really pleased to see several Apollo astronauts coming to this event. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, hugs with Alexei Leon of Russian cosmonauts. There was a lot of friendship we could see between pioneers from Russia and it, U.S. It's a very limited club who have shared a very unique beyond borders experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was really 
It was so nice to see them together with a glass of wine, with jokes and with memories, amazing memories that these guys had back to 40, 50 years when they were young, very young. There will be yet more of this in Starmus 5 for a 50th yeah. anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. Yeah. Where will Starmus 5 be held? It will be in Switzerland, in Bern. Uh, why Switzerland? We, I think Switzerland is a neutral country. Mm -hmm. So we would prefer to go a neutral country to and do the festival. And also to also is a message that uh, the Apollo belongs to the planet. Mm. It's a, it is a program, is a project that belongs to humanity. We share it. And I think the message is that we together, scientists from all countries and artists from all countries should come together and pay a tribute to Apollo. And that will be when? It will be from 24 to 29 of June. 2019 in Bern. For someone who's not a scientist, but is very enthralled or interested by science and space, what should they expect? You know, why would they come? What should they expect yeah. for this? Well, I mean, for them, it is a, is a chance to see on stage Apollo astronauts. We will have many Apollo astronauts at the festival panel discussions with them talking about space race uh, the history right from both sides from yeah. both sides yeah and then we will also have a program about future projects going back to the moon we will have speakers from different countries sharing their views and uh, amazing music company ah, good. incredible yes, music I can't lose those last three letters yes, of Starmus. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Incredible music. Star party where people can meet these astronauts and scientists with a glass of wine. Well, basically, everyone thinks that this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You see it and you will never, never, <laughs> never forget to see all these heroes, all these stars, science stars and music stars together people should have a chance to shake hands and to talk to them and ask them to sign their books. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Garrick. Thank you, Jill. And maybe after Starmus 5, we'll have you back and talk about Starmus <laughs> Star 6. 6. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. That was Dr. Garrick Israelian talking about the Starmus Festival, a gathering of scientists, science communicators, astronauts, and musicians. To find out more about past festivals and the one coming up next year, go to starmus.com. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Susan Moran. This week's show was produced and engineered by Joel Parker. Additional contributions by Tom Muelsman. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Brian May. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Do you have questions or comments? Well, call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. 
For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran.